Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Kevin McLaughlin, partner and co-founder at MTech Capital. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure, Greg. So to kick things off, can you give us just a quick background on yourself and what MTech is all about? Sure. Um, I started my career in the insurance industry straight out of uh, business school. I went to AIG and I spent uh, nearly eight years there in New York and then later in London. And I never left London since. Uh, After AIG, I moved into investment banking, spent 22 years uh, covering the insurance industry. Uh, The last couple of positions I held were global head of insurance at Citigroup and global head of insurance banking at B of A Merrill Lynch. Five years ago, uh, I started MTech Capital, a venture firm focused on insurtech. Uh, with a partner. My partner happens to be my brother. Uh, Brian is based in Santa Monica. And as I said, I'm based in London. At MTech, over the last four plus years, we've uh, invested in 25 companies. And uh, we're moving on to uh, our next fund shortly. Excellent. So I think for regular listeners of the podcast, this will be slightly different because we'll be focusing on the insure tech space a little bit more so than some of the banking related pieces that we sometimes talk about. But um, Kevin, if I can just follow up a little bit, are there, are there particular types of company stages or, or companies that you look for as you're thinking about investing? Or do you kind of take a more holistic approach to sort of whatever catches our eye? It's closer to the latter, Greg. So it's... Um... We firstly we're stage agnostic, so st- stage uh, C to really Series C, um, and we don't uh, necessarily go at investing with you know preconceptions or um, uh, uh, views on how a particular say technology is going to develop. Let's say if I take blockchain as an example, we don't start by saying we think blockchain is going to be you know really big, uh, ubiquitous in the sector, and let's go find a company that does blockchain. But rather, we kind of follow the money. We see what companies are being funded, what the nature of their technology is, and we form our investment thesis really around specific companies. Now, that makes sense. Are there any specific examples you can give of places where you've sort of been pulled by a company that you've invested in into an area that you maybe didn't expect to find yourself or all of a sudden find yourself rooting for an aspect of the insurtech space? You think, man, even two years ago, I didn't even know this space existed. And now here I am getting involved on a personal level. Right. Uh, Two examples of that. I think the first one is uh, cyber insurance. So that is companies and individuals, right, insuring themselves mainly against uh, uh, cyber attack, ransomware and the like. And and it can also be for, you know, for a business insuring themselves against failure of, say, one of the big cloud providers. We didn't really um, spend a lot of time thinking about cyber, frankly, when we started the fund uh, four to five years ago. But during that period, it's become a very big line of business. Um, uh, very big, I would say, in terms of its potential and its growth rate, 
still relatively small compared to traditional lines of insurance. Um, but it's a very exciting space. And we've invested now in a couple of companies that address the cyber insurance market. So that's one, one you know, area where we hadn't predicted we, we'd be following or investing in. And then uh, the second I would say would is embedded insurance opportunities. And that again is something that has developed rapidly over the last four to five years where embedded insurance is where you're doing something else, let's say making a purchase and you are offered seamlessly uh, an opportunity to purchase ins insurance. It might be something you purchase on Amazon and you're offered, let's say, extended warranty insurance. It might be your mortgage service provider. Um, and when you, um, you know, when, you, when you're, you are making your monthly payments, you're offered an opportunity to purchase homeowners insurance. And so we hadn't really thought about the distribution model that we thought would, you know, that would take the lead. But what we discovered pretty quickly was D to C and InsureTech is a very expensive proposition because the insurance companies, the, the traditional insurers, they're in the market with some really important advantages, namely distribution, you know, capital mm -hmm. um, and, and, and know-how. And so most of the opportunities now we focus on were away from, from the D to C proposition, but rather insurance being plugged into another distribution channel. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense too. And, and so I guess I, I should have actually asked this question beforehand, um, but I think we should take a step back and talk about kind of the broader insure tech ecosystem because what you're talking about now are is some really interesting um, facets of it. But I think it'd be helpful for our listeners too to get just a, a higher level understanding of you know, where the insure tech space is right now. For somebody who's not active and who's not paying as much attention to it as yourself, how would you characterize the insure tech space at this moment? I think it needs to be looked at the insure tech space, the let's call it the insure tech ecosystem, um, by looking at its component parts. One, the traditional incumbent insurance companies, two, the insure techs, the startups, and uh, third part of the ecosystem would be, of course, venture capital. And they need to be, I think, looked at individually, but obviously, by definition, they're all linked here. And the insurance industry right now is in a period of, I would call, robust health. So, and and my, my comments are basically addressed at the PNC market across North America and Europe. So it's in robust health because the last three to four, well, four, four years at least, have been implementing price increases right across lines of insurance. And they've needed to do this to make up for underwriting losses that they had been realizing for the prior years. And this is the classic insurance cycle, really. And so some of the actions of the traditional insurance companies have made life tough for the insure techs. And that is if you've got a an insure tech, for example, that is let's take embedded insurance again, relying on insurance companies to join their distribution platform. Um, or relying on insurance companies to provide balance sheet so that they can take the underwriting risk and you can distribute. Well, 
the the health of the insurance industry, the traditional industry, is extremely important to to your own success. So that linkage between insurtechs and the traditional insurance market is very strong. And in fact, we see very few insurtechs that are setting out to simply disrupt the market and, yeah. and, and, and compete with the major players. And it goes back to, I think, the reality of the industry where that, that distribution power, the brand and the capital give such inherent advantages that it's very hard for you know, a lemonade or a root or a hippo to, um, to compete against that. And so as a result, the vast majority of insurtechs in the market are actually working, I would say, in cooperation with insurance mm -hmm. companies, like providing, you know, where the insurers, again, are providing balance sheet capacity or using uh, insurance companies to for distribution or indeed, actually, um, insurance companies are customers. For example, you know, we, we're invested in a, um, a cyber uh, data and analytics business called CyberCube. Their customers are insurance companies. So the linkages are very strong between the insurance industry and the insurtech startup scene. And in that regard, the robust health of the insurance industry, I think, is good news for 2023 for the um, uh, for techs. The third part of the ecosystem, venture capital. Now this is this is going to be kind of the same story as you're seeing in you know in fintech, namely it's a tough market. Yeah, and so you know what what has transpired is really starting. I, I would say with the sell off of the in the public markets of technology stocks uh, in the end of 2021. That of course at some point was going to impact and has uh, valuations in the private markets. And we see the most pronounced impact in later stage companies, but the whole approach now VCs are taking to um, evaluating startup opportunities has changed. And we've also seen, I would say, some capital leaving the market. And I would say that's primarily generalist VCs who have got excited about the insure tech space. And now I think are backing away a bit and being very cautious on it. Sure, sure. I mean, I think that all makes sense. So I think the question that I have to follow up on that is just what types of uh, pieces you expect to see coming in 2023, given all of these different factors at play? Are there any areas where you think we'll see some significant movement, significant steps forward in terms of the types of services that the space will be able to offer? I would say that, well, firstly, the key driver for InsureTech activity is, is unchanged you know, despite the sell-off kind of in the public markets of those listed insure tech companies, and there are about a half a dozen, um, and despite kind of what we're seeing now in terms of lower valuations for the private companies, what's unchanged is that investment thesis that there's a strategic imperative, we believe, for the insurance industry to, um, to embrace uh, digital technology. So this transformation needs to happen in the insurance industry. It has um, uh, lagged, I would say, the banking industry by probably 10 years. And so we expect over the next 
10 to 15 years, we're going to see the transformation of the insurance industry. So that that is unchanged as a driver for insure tech activity at a high level. And then in terms of 2023, um, uh, let's see, significant steps forward, I would probably highlight the advances we've seen broadly in the application of artificial intelligence, AI, right across the insurance value chain. And so it, I think you'd be hard pressed to come up with an industry that is more suited to AI than the insurance industry. It's the whole, the whole uh, sector is predicated on data and the analysis of data. So it's actually perfect for it. Um, what we saw four years ago, we saw startups bringing in different forms of AI, primarily machine learning, a bit of natural language processing, a little bit later, a bit of computer vision, and applying it to new use cases and in insurance. And it was kind of slow going uh, for the last, you know, for the first couple of years. And what I've seen is, I think, a real acceleration of the use cases, so a broadening of the use cases in insurance, and just the 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 kind of the the quality of the output of these technologies in the insurance space. So let's take a quick example. It's um, document automation. So if we started with you know four years ago something pretty simple, which is just taking OCR and looking to read a you know, a, a PDF and or an email and transpose it into a policy management system. That today now is much more accurate. And com computer vision, for example, is being used to, um, uh, to transpose tables. AI is being used to rip through, let's say, medical reports in insurance for, let's say, a personal injury claim, 60-page documents, and identifying the really salient information. And so that rate of improvement, I think, in terms of the application of AI, the insurance industry has been accelerating the last four years. And so I would expect in 2023, we'll see you know, more significant steps in that space. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And certainly artificial intelligence is one where you know, I think we're still in the early days of figuring out everything that it can do, but the potential impact is obviously there for everybody to see. Um, we are approaching the the end of our time here, but I do want to just kind of talk about that same question from the other side before we have to end things. Are there any places where you would have thought that we'd be farther along by now in the insure tech space? Any places where, you know, four years ago, five years ago, you think, well, surely by 2023, we will have sorted out X. Anything you can point to on that side where there's still potentially some maybe opportunity or a room for improvement in some ways that things are done? I would say two areas. One is uh, agent distribution and two is blockchain. I think in agent distribution, we had thought that just the, you know, kind of the whole empowerment of the internet uh, for the individual, let's say the way it's transformed the travel industry was going to play out in personal lines insurance. So the way you purchase your auto insurance and your home insurance, it was going to be direct on the internet through, for example, price comparison sites and the like. And that is definitely happening, but we are surprised at how resilient that agent channel still is. And in particular, when I compare it to here in the UK, we're 70% plus 
of motor insurance is purchased purchased through price comparison sites in the U.S. That is that is moving up undoubtedly, but because of the resilience of that agent channel, uh, that model is having to make some adaptations for the U.S. market. So that that kind of surprised me. Yeah. And then the second around blockchain, we really haven't seen it. That's the biggest surprise. We have our eyes wide open looking for it. We've looked at a couple of opportunities, but there are very, actually very few. And so it, it seems like it has transformative potential, but because we haven't really seen it get traction in the market, we're certainly holding off. Yeah, no, I think that's another one where, you know, there's certainly more to come from from that side of things. But, you know, obviously, there's opportunity here in the insure tech space. I think that's the biggest takeaway. There's there's room for advancement in all of these kinds of areas. And I think massive, if you look at yeah. the number of people, you know, the way other industries have been able to, I don't want to say, you know, get the humans out of there, because obviously, there, there's um, a lot to unpack with something like that. But certainly, there's an opportunity to automate a lot of pieces which are currently um which currently have to be overseen by humans and i think man i i just can't wait for somebody to really crack the the blockchain side of the equation because the technology itself is so cool there's so much that you can do with it and i think you know it's still just waiting for somebody to come in and say okay here's exactly where it can make the biggest impact i think there's still a lot of potential for something like that to happen as well so um, you know, Kevin, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with me. Uh, thanks for, for joining us on the podcast. Anybody who's interested in learning more about the InsureTech space, um, there are a couple of different resources that you can have, but certainly MTech Capital is a very good one to be aware of. Um, and I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your expertise with us. It's great talking to you, Greg. I appreciate it. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.